Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going well. It's uh, been a busier week in the SBC this week. We've got a lot of news this week. Yeah, and, and you know, I think early earlier in the week we spoke and it, it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot going on. And then it just all of a sudden picked up. Business picked up. Yes. Yeah. Well, and speaking of business, let's uh, thank our sponsor this week. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Whether you're preparing to plant or revitalize churches in North America or take the gospel to places where Christ is not yet known, the Billy Graham School is committed to training the next generation of Great Commission leaders. Learn more about the Billy Graham School's MDiv, DMIN, or other degree programs today by visiting sbts.edu slash bgs. That, again, that's sbts.edu slash bgs. Good friend of the pod up there, Adam Greenway, is uh, the dean of the Billy yes. Graham School. So I know Dr. a friend of yours, Greenway. Dr. Greenway, uh, is a faithful listener. Um, talk to him once or twice a week and uh, via text and everything. So it's always uh, good to have a friend of the pod sponsoring the pod. So uh, thanks to Dr. Greenway and all of our friends up at Southern Seminary. All right, Amy, let's jump into this big news uh, from your neck of the woods this week. Walter Strickland appointed as Associate VP of Kingdom Diversity Initiatives at Southeastern Seminary. Yeah, this was uh, a fun one to report on. Uh, of course, Walter Strickland has been part of Southeastern for a very long time. And uh, also the a, first vice president of the SBC. Yes, that's correct. So he's a double vice president uh, now or something like that. Ish, ish, I think. Anyway, he's been heading up the Kingdom Diversity Initiative as sort of a special advisor to the president on uh, diversity for a few years now. But this news is very exciting. First of all, just for Walter, very deserving um, of that role and that level. Um, He's an excellent leader and uh, just a a great person to watch, models that for us on campus. Uh, But also it really demonstrates sort of the elevating of that initiative on our campus just in general as we have walked through some of the goals and have made progress on a lot of those, particularly the enrollment goal that has been has been set. It, it also just says it's important. We, we, we think it's this important that we are going to make, you know, a kingdom diversity initiatives area because this uh, this is here to stay. Yep. So congratulations to Walter. We, we've got a little bit more to talk about race in the SBC toward the end of the podcast. We're going to have a little special segment on that. I'm sure Walter's name will come up and, and also the work that you guys are doing at Southeastern with diversity. Some more news from Southeastern. Got another uh, appointment. Uh, Kristen Kellen appointed to full-time Southeastern faculty uh, in biblical counseling. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Kellen's been... Just incredible. She got her PhD from Southeastern and and has done some really great work in our area um, as a counselor. But she also uh, she has has taught part time, has been in the classroom some at Southeastern for a little while. And so this is a big uh, it's a big thing. It's very exciting. There she already has great following that a lot of students just love her. Uh, so for her to be full-time on the faculty, that was just a great win uh, for Southeastern. I got to spend some time with her today even and uh, just talking. She She's just a wonderful addition to really uh, plug in full-time. Yeah, it's good good to see uh, more women in the classroom there at Southeastern. Also, uh, we got some news from SBC, Amy. The, uh, the finalized registration count is in, 5,015. 
5,015. We just barely broke 5,000. Yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember back to what we thought the uh, unofficial count was. I think it was 5,018. Something like that. So uh, a couple of, it, yeah. it moves a couple of numbers. I think it was 18. It might've been 5,008. I'm not quite sure, uh, but I know it was just over 5,000. So uh, higher than in 2011 when we had 4,852 messengers. So about 163 more uh, this time than a few years ago. Also uh, 2,230 churches from 47 states, the DC area and Puerto Rico came. Only states not represented, Amy, Maine, North Dakota, and Rhode Island. Well, we got to start. We got to push for all 50 states next year. Yes. All 50 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico. Yes. I want to start pushing for getting us back up into five figures. Yes, we do need to do that as well. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that Dallas may be the the one that does it, though. So we'll have to see about that next year. We could see registration double in one year. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be fantastic? That would be incredible. Yes. So it's entirely possible. We're going to push for that. I think so. 10,000. Yeah. So if you're listening, uh, make plans to join us in June of 2018 in Dallas. Also, uh, some cost reductions said that there was a $800,000 less than the high water mark of 2011 when we were in Phoenix. 800000 Amy, that That's we saved incredible. In, in, in the past few years. Uh, obviously, a little bit has to do, they mentioned a little bit has to do with the annual savings of uh, no longer having carpet in the uh, the main hall, I, which I honestly never even noticed. Um, and then I didn't either. I didn't realize we had that and hadn't missed it, so it didn't really matter to me. Um, and then also the pastors' conference now reimbursing the convention up to a hundred thousand dollars for the use of the meeting hall. The big kicker, though, was exhibitors have moved from fifty in uh, two thousand twelve, two thousand eleven, when we were in um, New Orleans and. Uh, Phoenix, respectively, those two years, to up to 167. I, I knew we had a lot of uh, exhibitors, but wow. that's where the uh, the cost savings are going because they're able to pass some of that cost on for the rental of the hall to exhibitors. Yeah. Well, and it's here, that's interesting because the layout, it felt so different to me, and I knew it was in the same spot this year, but I guess it's because it was a lot bigger. I, I and last so. time, the, the walls must have, you know, they they didn't have as many walls open. And one of the things it talks about is that it has an updated exhibitor policy where it gives priority to SBC entities and organizations, but also allows other approved vendors that do not conflict with the ministries of Southern Baptist. And we saw some of those. Yeah. I think we uh, looked around, saw... Uh, there was Steve McQueen's car there. Yes, which was That was fabulous. not there in 2011. <laughs> yes. So. Also, just some little things like... Like, like a dinosaur it, it head. It talks about the convention. Yes. It talks about how the convention purchased computer monitors, mm-hmm. laptops, electrical cords that they could reuse instead of renting. And I know this, um, those costs. Oh, gosh, they're uh, insane. Of renting from the convention center, they are insane. And so, um, but I would imagine years and years ago, you didn't, people, not everyone had laptops. Yeah. So, well, it wasn't as easy to transport things. Yeah. Right, right. So, so all those little costs, that, that's really significant. Yeah, and probably the biggest decision they made since 2014 was contracting with Lifeway Media to coordinate both the audio and visual aspects of the meeting. Yes. Of course. That's the biggest change. Of course. I still think the carpet, <laughs> I think the carpet's pretty significant. Yeah. But, and Because you know. that's something I didn't even realize was there before and hasn't even noticed that it's gone. Yeah. So good job to Bill Towns and his team Thanks. over there uh, for saving us money, being good stewards of everything 
uh, that Southern Baptist pass on. All right. And then also, uh, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. Cooperative program. Yep. CP is up over budget 5.08% uh, so far this year, thanks in part really to the big uh, gift from Florida uh, last month. Uh, we talked about that. Now we are at $165.5 million, which is $8 million and change over the $175.5 million projected budget. Uh, so it looks like we are on course to have another strong year of CP giving. So uh, that that's good news for everybody involved in the SBC. That's excellent. Uh, when does when does the year close out? Uh, the year closes out at the end of September. We have two months left: August and September. Okay. So all I, right, we'll I, keep, we're looking we'll pretty watching. good right now. So we're averaging yes. about sixteen point five million dollars a month. So uh, that keeps up. We'll be well over our total, and uh, and a good strong year of CP giving. Excellent. All right. And then uh, Florida, we talked about this a little bit last week, Amy, uh, with uh, Kevin Bumgarner leaving and moving from the Florida Baptist Witness over to Bell Shoals Baptist Church. Uh, the Florida Baptist Witness has decided this week that they will cease functioning as a cooperating ministry in the state convention and become a ministry within the Florida Baptist Convention, basically moving the Florida Baptist Witness and the, uh, the PR aspects, the news aspects of that entity into this Florida Baptist State Convention, and the savings, I think, uh, was uh, a little bit over a quarter of a million dollars. And this was something, you know, that we've seen moves like this in some other areas. Yeah, Georgia for one. So it's not, right, so it's not completely uh, completely new. Yeah, Kentucky, I think, also did this with Kentucky Today. Yes, I think so. Uh, but always, you know, this, this is definitely news because it's a significant change. Yeah, and in some aspects, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's, it's good savings. Um, but I, I know some are lamenting the yes. loss of another independent, you know, news service uh, like the Florida Baptist Witness was. We're, we're probably just seeing a shift in this. So we've seen other different types of media. I mean, for example, SBC This Week, you and I, we have a podcast that didn't exist a few years ago. And, and there are some other podcasts that cover the SBC. Uh, and right. there are blogs that cover the SBC. So we're seeing a little bit of, you know, things aren't sure. quite as delineated as they were in the past with the media. The media coverage is a little bit different now than it was. And, and I'm sure we'll see more state papers go through what the Florida Baptist Witness has gone through. And we'll see more different, you know, online sources for news like what we are here at SBC this week pop up as well in the future. Right. Sure. Word still gets out. Um, it gets out in all sorts of ways. Um, but but the, it, it just becomes a shift as when media uh, is just playing different different roles. And so Florida is just another place where we're seeing it. All right. And Amy, following up on a story we talked about a couple of months ago, we mentioned the associational survey uh, that was going on. Uh, they had responses over the last couple of months. 448 Southern Baptist leaders responded to the survey. Here are some of the key findings. Amy, I'll read the finding and you can uh, kind of talk a little bit about it. The first finding, a bit of uh, disheartening news here, the lack of perceived value that associations provide to local churches. Yeah, that that was difficult. I mean, it, it said when asked to describe the most exciting aspect of their local Baptist association, the most popular answer was nothing. E. It, it did say 65.6% of church leaders think their local Baptist association is a strategic partner in helping their church fulfill the Great Commission, but that means one out of every three, uh, they don't think so. I think a tough one was... The 8% um, at the know, bottom down there? Yeah, 8% think that mm. their local association is a good kingdom investment of their church's financial resources. Yeah. Um, well, and that ties to this finding number two, that the ones that found that uh, the 
perceived value was good were the most involved. Ones that did not were the least involved. Yeah. And, and it, that seems a little bit circular to me. It makes you say, well, are you not seeing it because you're not involved or you're not involved because, because you don't see it? it? Yeah. It's the, the right. chicken and egg kind of thing. Right. Um, I do, I do wonder, you know, I, I would love to talk to a historian. We should, we should ask uh, Nathan Finn uh, about this because Baptist associations, local associations, I mean, these are the ones when you trace back, um, in Baptist history, and those were some of the first groups that were formed were these local associations. Yeah, when we start talking Sandy Creek and Charleston and different, those are associations. Yeah, when you think Elkhorn in uh, Kentucky, I mean, these things have been there forever. Um, and they started uh, for a, a specific purpose um, that just became different over the years. And I, I don't know. I wonder what trends just sort of change things. You wonder if some of the reasons that people formed local associations, they can now, those things can now be met through networks or, you know, you know we interviewed um, Matt Capps and John Mark Harrison, and they've sort of formed something that is a network of, of past young pastors and churches. And that that's more statewide. But they're doing some things together, and in some of these ways, they may be doing what local associations were doing, you know, decades and centuries ago. Yeah. Um, so as things change, as people's connections change, the way they relate to these uh, local associations and structures are just going to be different. It's not quite. Uh, it's not quite like the state convention or the SBC. Uh, connection. Yeah, and you mentioned the the Young Pastors Initiative that Matt and John Mark had started. Uh, that that kind of ties along with significant age difference, which was the finding number four. We're seeing that on associational directors of missions, only the ones that filled out the survey, only ten percent were under the age of fifty, while about sixty percent of the pastors were under the age of fifty. So uh, the, the the findings, I mean, only four hundred and forty responses. So there's a little bit of difference in there, uh, but you're seeing a much older group with the dissociational missionary or director of mission, which I think we, we would understand because a lot of times they are either retired pastors or pastors with a lot of experience moving into those roles. Of course, they're going to be older than the young Bivo or young seminary graduate guy that just, you know, just took over and started pastoring a church. So, um, right. I think we, we can understand the age difference there, but the, the final finding here, the hope for change People would be really interested in and participate in the local association if uh, they demonstrated relevance and had a clear vision and strategy. So the the intent, I think, is there. They're just I think perception, though, is, is really hurting associations right now, it seems, based on the, the uh, information in the, the study here. Uh, we're going to put a link in the show notes that um, shares these sort of details that, that we just read and then also has a way to download and review the entire report. Yeah, shout out to Jason Lowe for compiling all of that and putting it all out there. So a uh, very interesting report there. Be sure to go check that out and uh, tell your local associational missionary, DOM, the, that you appreciate what he does. So those guys, they do a lot of work and uh, often get forgotten. So uh, we appreciate uh, the directors of mission uh, that listen to this. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the, uh, the team that Rick Wheeler is leading for the associational leaders uh, to kind of reinvent that role. So uh, we wish them all the best as well. All right, Amy, 10th anniversary of the BGR. They're doing a big campaign to raise wow. $100,000 for people in need. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. This may be something that 
some of our listeners aren't really uh, aware of. It's not an entity of the SBC, but it, uh, as the article in Baptist Press says, it does heartily promote and endorse the uh, cooperative program. So it has a partnership with Southern Baptists to meet global human needs. And um, it, is a, it is a really great way to connect, uh, really to connect with a lot of things that uh, some of our missionaries are doing. We have some very good friends um, who are serving overseas and Baptist Global Response has been a tremendous help to them in what they're trying to do uh, with the people that they are reaching. They've been able to set up some uh, some aid and, uh, and, and also some very specific projects. It, it talks about community development projects. Uh, Baptist Global Response has been a big help as they work with their uh, local with local believers to start some things in community development, which is then leading to opportunities uh, to reach uh, people with the gospel. So uh, BGR does some really amazing things. So you have the opportunity to participate in their uh, campaign. It's called the 10 for 10 campaign. It's running through the month of August. You can find out all the information at gobgr.org slash 10 for 10. Uh, we'll put the link to that in the show notes, uh, but go check that out. Jeff Palmer and the, the gang over there at BGR do a good job. Jeff's a, a fellow Mount Juliet resident with me, so he lives uh, right around oh, the nice. corner from I do. All right. Well, finally this week in the news, Lifeway Research, one in 10 churches has had funds stolen. Talking about embezzled funds or misappropriated funds in the church, um, I, I'm a little shocked that it's that high, a little saddened also that it's that high. Uh, that it's 9%? Yeah. Nine percent seems like a lot, Amy. I guess so. I actually was, was kind of. You thought it'd be uh, higher. Glad. I mean, I mean, ninety-one percent is pretty high to say no embezzlement. Yeah, but in um, the, but there's I, some fascinating research in here, Amy, that'll uh, tie back to your childhood. Um, Churches of Christ yes, ministers are I most likely that. to say that their church had funds embezzled. Sixteen percent of Churches of Christ, so one out of every six <laughs> Church of Christ. Um, not pointing fingers, Amy. Not well, pointing fingers at all. I I have no I have no answer for that, uh, Jonathan. But I will have to ask my dad what he thinks about it. So um, that is really interesting. It's making me start to wonder. It's making me start to remember. Do I re- know of any stories from my childhood? Uh, actually, a couple are coming to mind, but I will not mention. There those. we go. See, uh, so <laughs> accurate research from Scott McConnell and Lizette Beard. Thank you. Yes. So, uh, and I guess as I see, uh, Baptist churches um, have, uh, or Baptist pastors responded with 7% um, where someone had embezzled funds and Presbyterian was 6%. So I guess it was those Church of Christ numbers that were, that really drove it up a couple of percentage points. Um, You know, and Scott McConnell makes a great, uh, a great point that that what will happen is that most churches rely on volunteers to handle their finances. Um, and I, I get that. I've been in churches where the, that's exactly what, yeah. what happens. It's, it's just people who are um, very involved in the church and maybe are really good uh, with finances, uh, which probably leads to the fact that some of them are very good at yeah, a little too good sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it, it it says the the volunteers are usually honest, which you know uh, as we see That's the ninety one. That's a good 91%. thing if you're handling money, right? But 
the churches don't have the systems in place like a business will um, or even a nonprofit. And so then money can just go missing. Yeah. And, and that's where the second question comes in. And that's church audits are fairly common with uh, about 65% of them having one in the last uh, four years. But, uh, you know, pretty much a third or more of churches have not had a church audit within the past five years. And some of them, you know, 10% say never. But uh, so I, I would recommend churches, if you're, if you're not doing an annual audit or at least uh, an audit every year or so, uh, get on that. Uh, those are very important. And that kind of keeps the um, keeps those numbers of embezzlement down. Right. Uh, I'm also noticing just to not to keep bringing up the same thing, but I'm also noticing that uh, churches of Christ uh, are more likely at 16 percent to say their church has never been audited. There's a correlation here. <laughs> right. Not causation, so, but there's I some correlation nothing. there. Yeah. Amy's yeah, like, oh, this church of Christ. Uh, all right. Um, Amy's Church of good Christ people. Heritage. They're good, good people. That's my people. They're, they're, so. they're not a fan of musical instruments or audits, apparently. Apparently. Um, and then wow. finally, uh, how many weeks of cash reserves? This, this is a fascinating question here. How many weeks of cash reserves does your church currently have? 23% say they have a year or more of cash reserves. Goodness. That is a lot of money. That's, Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah, so only 50% say they have 15 weeks or less. 15 weeks would be about a little bit over three weeks or a little bit over three months. You know, 13 weeks is three months. So half of churches have just barely three months worth of cash on hand. Uh, another quarter basically have, uh, you know, up to a year and then uh, a quarter over a year of cash on hand. So a uh, fascinating study on finances and the church from Lifeway Research. Check that out. Uh, check out all the information uh, it goes into a lot more detail and talks about a lot of other things rather than uh, just the Church of Christ, who we mentioned here several times in the show. Right. So uh, right. check that out. All right. Now, finally, yeah. Amy, we, we mentioned it kind of at the top of the show. We talked about Walter Strickland and uh, his elevation to Associate Vice President for Kingdom Diversity over at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. There was uh, been a few stories this month in uh, various publications, New York Times, uh, Washington Post, a uh, couple in uh, one in your state paper, the uh, Biblical Recorder, and then also uh, one at the NAM website Correct. on African American perspectives on the SBC. So we thought we'd take a chance. Uh, your boss, Danny Aiken, wrote an article today on his blog. Uh, we wanted to talk about that and uh, kind of the other things that's going on there with uh, race in the SBC. Yeah. So obviously, uh, as everyone knows, we had a major discussion on this in Phoenix this year with uh, the resolution on the alt-right. Um, and there was certainly some commentary after we left, but the New York times article that dropped a few weeks ago uh, by someone who said, I am leaving the SBC. Um, now a lot of, a lot of discussion came up because most of us, I mean, I, I didn't know the gentleman who wrote that. And I think a lot of people didn't. Yeah. And, um, and some of his, terminology in the SBC was a little bit off, um, you know, about how the, the polity and things work. Right. So, so the, so the actual leaving, um, I don't know was necessarily the issue of the article, but some of the things that he brought up, uh, were what I noticed was how there were, uh, some individuals who I would consider who are either part of the Southern Baptist convention and are dedicated people in the Southern Baptist Convention or uh, people who I would say are friends with the SBC um, 
African-American brothers and sisters who said, okay, we don't agree with this article's conclusion or even everything that's in it, but some of the painful uh, realities that are pointed out resonate with us. Uh, that certainly got my attention um, to step back and say, okay, maybe there are just, we need to just think about this. But then some some of these additional articles came up. You know, Fred Luter, and I, I really appreciated that he said uh, his was don't ditch your denomination, and he laid out all of the good things uh, that he has experienced in the SBC. Gabriel Stovall, uh, his piece, which I thought was great, is where he was honest and said, you know, that's not always easy, but here's why I want to keep at it. And then and that was some of what Dwight McKissick's article in the Washington Post said as well. He was very transparent that it was not that that it's not always easy transparent about some of the challenges and he even went so far as to say I don't always feel like I am at home but I think it's worth continuing to stay and to try and to work towards something uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag where it's important to hear that feeling and and for for us to know uh, so then that's when Dr. Aiken's response came today which didn't really say a whole lot uh, and I think the point of that was to say, maybe this isn't the time to speak. This is the time to listen. And we hear uh, what our brothers uh, and sisters, because there were some some on Twitter, what our brothers and sisters are saying. Um, so it was a pretty brief post, but I think it was just to, to uh, uh, listen. And um, I, it's interesting. I, I, I'll, I will be intrigued to see how this conversation uh, continues. One point I think Dwight made in his was that it's okay that these things may be uncomfortable. Um, that's all right. They're worth it. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, when you and I, when we first started talking about starting this podcast and doing this, what we wanted to do, we wanted to bring some of those voices to the forefront. We've had Walter on. We've had Kevin Smith on. We've had Juan Sanchez on. We've had a, a host of women on, Ashley Portero, Kelly King and others. Uh, we, we've tried to bring some of the voices that don't always get heard in the SBC to the forefront. Uh, that's something that you and I are, have been intentional about. Um, that's that's something that we, we've, you know, applauded any chance we get, you know, with the election of Jose Abea and Walter Strickland and H.B. Charles. Um, so, you know, th these are listening sessions that we, we try to have with leaders in our convention. Uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, for the future, we've seen, uh, you know, more diverse leadership, more diverse trustee representation, more diverse uh, committee appointments in the past few years. And, you know, we, we had a, a big push toward that. I know Alan Cross had led the way a little bit on that and uh, had a, had really congratulated the SBC on some uh, of the, the gains we've made in diversity within the SBC. Right. So uh, far from over. Uh, we we still have a long sure. ways to go. Still have a lot to do, uh, but I, I'm encouraged uh, that we have men like Dr. Danny Aiken that are kind of leading in that direction. So uh, pass on my um, appreciation to him, Amy, when you see him, and uh, I, I would recommend everybody go and read this. Uh, one of the the quotes that he put in here it says, "We're not just pursuing diversity to no end. We want to see people come to Christ from every nation." tribe and tongue. Once again, let me say it. We have to do it together. It, this can't be just white Southern Baptist and black Southern Baptist. It has to be Southern Baptist as a whole. So um, thank you, Dr. Right. Aiken, for speaking out. Thank you for uh, for listening. And uh, we hope to continue to do the same. 
Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1993. Um, and actually, this is a, a Baptist Press issue that is just chock full of stuff. Um, we had a heavy news week this week. Um, there was a heavy news week 24 years ago. And so if you if you go to it, you're going to see a lot of stuff, a couple of things about Russia, interestingly enough. Fascinating. Um, uh, which, yeah, which we are all hearing about. A couple of things this week in the news about Russia. <laughs> yes, and we're going to keep talk. Uh, keep uh, we're going to just talk about what happened in 1993. This is not that kind of podcast. So anyway, uh, the that one was about Boris Yeltsin uh, refusing to sign a law that restricted religious freedom. So oh. I thought that was very interesting, and telling his lawmakers to bring it in line with human rights agreement. So some interesting things, not necessarily in the Baptist world, but just in the world in general that that uh, would mean something uh, to Southern Baptists. The Ruth Bader Ginsburg confirmation had happened. Lots of stuff. But that's not why I brought this up. Um, it's the last article in that Baptist Press issue that it, it it's something that kind of involves Lifeway, but it's even more I want to hone in um, the headline is Facts and Trends, Teaching Helps Added SBC Net Computer Service. Okay. So this was this announcement that um, SBC Net, Southern Baptist's Data Communications Network, was getting all sorts of new things added to it. So first of all, this was the first time Facts and Trends, which um, was uh, the letter newsletter for church staff members and denominational leaders. This is the first time that it was going to go online. Oh wow! Um, in yeah, I think this is this is 1993. Like so, CompuServe or something, man. Yes, yeah, something like that. So uh, Facts and Trends would include the text of all the articles. Um, and then it said, design editor Chip Alford said, additional information, chip, um, additional information, charts, graphs, and related articles not included in the print edition also may be posted from time to time. So a little extra oh. for the the readers. Um, and so it was the first electronic edition. Also, there were going to be teaching supplements for. Um, Bible book and convention uniform youth Sunday school lessons. Um, also some other kind of teaching materials. Then it said other information available on SBC net includes Baptist press. Oh, we went digital. Yeah. Newsroom uh, with uh, news and feature stories from agencies and state conventions, the facts and trends information service, news briefs from the Sunday school board, home mission board and foreign mission board. And also included uh, was clip art for churches. No, no, you had me okay <laughs> until the end, Amy. Why did you have to? Oh man! Clip art for churches. Oh, that hurts. A place for prayer requests, um, supplemental teaching helps, youth discipleship training helps, and ministers' corner a collection of sermons and illustrations. Then it said SVC Net may be accessed by using a computer, a modem, and a membership kit distributed by the Sunday School Board. So we were like putting out AOL CDs or something like that. You all were the ones. And it included CompuServe Information Boom. Manager. So go. that's what it was. Um, account information and a $15 credit toward usage. 
If you wanted a kit, you had to call 1-800-NUMBER-TALK to David Haywood uh, to get any information. He was there where you were at Lifeway. And then it said a uh, that, that SBC Net users got a reduced rate. And uh, so you had $7.95 monthly plus CompuServe uh, charges. So more than 900 church and individual customers had signed with wow. SBC net um, by early, by early August. Yeah. That's more than I expected. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I think it had been up for a little while. SBC net had been available for a little while, but it was, uh, the big thing was that facts and trends were going to, was going to be added. So, um, I want to call out, um, Aaron Earls yeah. right now. The He's digital sort of editor. The, yeah. The digital editor for facts and trends. And I want to say, um, Aaron, your work all started 24 years ago this week in SBC history. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm thankful that they have killed the clip art service of, uh, of that. So, wow. Church clip art. Yes. Mm. And we're still paying for that in bulletins generations later. Hey, that clip art had an important role. And you remember those culture. books? Like people would have discs of clip art and they'd have like a whole book that yes. accompanied it. Oh, yes. Man. So then you'd look through the book and find what you wanted and then you could go get it off the disc. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, wow. And now people now people just right click and steal Google images because <laughs> they don't know. Don't that do that, churches. To do that. <laughs> don't do that, churches. Right. Even whenever you use yeah. them the right way, sometimes people will contact you and threaten to sue you. I'm dealing with that right now. Oh, yes. Even yes, though yes. everything was done correctly. People people try to scare people into um, just paying money because they're they're scared that they've done something illegal, even though they haven't. Well my lawyer says so. Yes. <laughs> right. It's uh it's not it's not fun. But yep. anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. Use images responsibly. Yes. So so check the link out. We'll drop it in there. It's the last story in that Baptist press. But as I said, that particular issue was chock full of world news uh, that would be interesting to Southern Baptists. So uh-huh. uh, it's it's a worthwhile read. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Um, it's a book I'm reading right now. It's called Struck. Um, it came out in it March. Book? It's by... No, um, it's by an author uh, there in Nashville, Russ Ramsey, who oh, is yeah. um, uh, who I would say is an acquaintance of ours. We've met him at at several uh, in in several different ways, and we have some very good mutual friends. I'm sure Russ is a big listener to the podcast too. So, um, I I don't I don't know that he is, but I've uh, uh, I've been very blessed by some of his writings before, and I've sat in some sessions that he's led, some breakout sessions at uh, at some things. But he uh, had sort of a health crisis a, a few years back, um, where he had to have a, a pretty intense heart surgery, and he did something really unique in that experience. And he's a very gifted writer um, that he sort of wrote this memoir in real time. Oh, wow. um, so he set out, yeah, so he set out to do this. Um, and so as he was sort of learning about it, as he's go, getting ready um, to go into surgery and then in the recovery time, he wrote about the experience. Um, and it, it's, it is pretty incredible. He is, um, uh, he's been in ministry a, re- a really long time. And so he talks about his faith as he sort of deals with this, 
um, this major crisis. And I've known about it. I've actually had it on my shelf for a while, but hadn't been able to pick it up. And so I just sort of started the other day. It's a really easy read um, in terms of easy to get through, but it's a really tough read uh, because you're just processing a lot, um, but really worthwhile. All right. Well, very cool. I have to check that out. Struck by Russ Ramsey. Yes. All right. Well, my resource of the week is more than I think we may have mentioned before, but I'm going to mention it again anyway because it's relevant to some of the news this week. It's the CP calculator over at uh, the SPC website, and uh, you can find the link to that over uh, on the show notes. It's um, cpcalc.spc.net slash calc. So there's a lot there, but uh, yeah. we have the direct link to that one. But because we talked about the uh, the Florida Baptist Witness coming back under uh, the purview of the Florida Baptist Convention, uh, that saved them around $280,000 in CP funds. So uh, what the uh, Cooperative Program Calculator does, it shows you where your money for your cooperative program is spent in your state. So um, that money you know, will be redistributed within the state of Florida. I'm not quite sure where they'll put that in their budget. We'll have to find that out later in the year. Uh, whenever the Florida State Convention releases their proposed budget for 2018. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can see where your money goes in the state. So uh, you can see that, you know, say you give $10,000 to uh, your state convention through the cooperative program, or maybe it's 100000 You can see exactly where that winds up at the different national entities uh, like North American Mission Board, the Executive Committee, IMB, and uh, the uh, seminaries, as well as the ERLC and also where it goes in the state. So it calculates exactly what uh, your money goes to, so you can kind of see where your cooperative program money is invested in the kingdom work of Southern Baptists. So check that out. That's the CP calculator. Uh, put in your state, put in an amount, and it'll show you everything you need to know. That's great. Um, I have actually used that um, uh, several times and uh, have found it really interesting and uh, checked out different states, different states that I've lived in because I've lived in a lot around the um, southeast. And so very helpful. All right. So, Amy, that'll do it for this week's episode. Once again, want to thank our sponsors over at the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism and Ministry at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Thank those guys again for sponsoring this week's episode. Check them out again at sbts.edu slash bgs. And Amy, you know, we, we've covered a lot of ground this week, got a lot of news, expecting things to kind of pick up as we get closer to the executive committee meetings here in Nashville next month. Uh, those are about five, six weeks away. So i uh, got some news, I think, coming from that. We'll be interested to see uh, what all kind of news comes from the executive committee meeting. Uh, I'll be there. I'm not sure if you're coming or not, uh, but I know you'll be in town for the ERLC National Conference at the end of August. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll both be at that and uh, have some interviews from that as well as well as uh, live uh, tweeting uh, as we can. I'll be at the uh, for the church conference uh, at the end of September up in Midwestern. I think you've got a, a big event, uh, the Nine Marks Conference at your uh, school Correct. at Southeastern in September as well. So it's going to be a busy couple of months, Amy. And then we got trustee meetings. Uh, I've got my trustee meeting coming up at the end of August as well. So uh, a lot going on and uh, we're just getting started. Oh, it's it, it's amazing. Um, sat down with our team today to think through all the events coming up uh, this semester and travels, and it seems like more than ever. So yeah. I think it's going to be a crazy time for all of us. Oh, and I, I totally forgot about the event that I'll be at that's uh, being hosted by the Florida Baptist Convention in Southeastern down in Tallahassee. So uh, I've got that yes. with Dr. Rayner, the Leading Change Conference. If you're in the Tallahassee area or the 
South Georgia, the uh, lower Alabama, the Florida Panhandle. Come over and join us for that at uh, City Church on September the 7th. You can find out more about that at leadingchange.church. Yeah, it's going to be a busy fall, Amy. We're looking forward to it, but uh, we'll see what happens next week. But until then, we'll see you next week. See you next week.